We're going to continue our study in the book of 1 Corinthians, so go ahead and turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And for those of you who are joining us online, it's great to have you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We miss you guys. We can't wait to see you in person. We know that God has a special word for us this evening, and of all the passages Rob has assigned, I get the one about singleness, right? Love that. Thank you, Pastor Rob. No, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to teach this. We've noted, before we pray and, and get into it, we, we've noted, just by way of context, that the book of 1 Corinthians is a corrective letter, right, written by Pastor Paul to the church in Corinth. And in chapters 1 through 6, Paul is addressing a lot of the gross sin issues that the earlier church was participating in. And in chapter 7, Paul is answering many of their questions that they wrote to him. Now, we don't have those specific questions that they wrote, but by the way Paul writes, uh, we have an understanding of where they were coming from. And so in chapter 7, Paul answers questions that may have sounded like this. You know, Paul, now that I'm a Christian, what does a godly marriage look like? Or is it permissible for me to get a divorce? Another thing he answers is, you know, what if my husband or my wife is not a believer? What do I do? Do I leave? Do I stay? Should I stay? Should I go? What do I do? And if you haven't listened to the past two weeks of teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I highly recommend that you go back on our website or on our, we- uh, on our YouTube and, and you'll just be so blessed and challenged by it. But tonight, in chapter 7, we'll finish from verse 17 to 40, Paul answers questions about singleness, calling, and the benefits of serving the Lord as a single person. So tonight, I've titled our Bible study, Single and Ready for a Pringle. No, I'm kidding. Single, single and Satisfied is tonight's title. Single and Satisfied. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. Lord, thank you that we don't have to figure it out ourselves, but you've written to us specific instruction that we may walk in your ways and be a blessing to your heart. Lord, we respond to the gospel and to your love and and humility of mind and heart right now as we open up uh, our, our lives to be taught by your Holy Spirit. And so I pray that you'd make disciples tonight. I pray that you would encourage and challenge tonight and that our focus would be wholeheartedly on you. So help us in this, Jesus. Uh, we give you this time to, to speak and, and to move. So do what you want to do, Lord, in our hearts and our minds for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and say, amen. Amen. Well, in the Bible, you're either, your marital status is either single or married, right? There's nothing about dating or engagement in the Bible. You're either single or married. And let me tell you, I never liked to be single, but I've learned to love it. I've been single for 29 years, uh, which is actually uncommon for someone who's grown up in the church, but I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed me to serve him as a single guy, and I can testify that there is a, there, it's a gift. Marriage is a gift, but also singleness is a gift. And Paul has specific instruction to the single people in our church and the church as a whole. Now, I'll, I'll confess Somewhere along the road, the church as a whole has forgotten the importance and the value of singleness. Single people, you know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) There seems to be a stigma floating around that if you're a Christian single person, that there has to be something wrong with you, right? It's like, how come they're not married? Like, what is actually wrong with them? And I get it, right? I love love. My family loves love. In fact, I have four brothers. I'm the second oldest out of five. 
and they're all married with kids, and I'm just like, Lord, like, I love loves too. You know, I'm just serving you. Where's my ring, God, right? And I get it. When, when people are asking, so why are you single? They're not rubbing it in my face. They love love, and they experience joy and happiness in their marriage relationship, and they want me to be a part of that joy or experience that joy. But maybe, just maybe, as a church, we've idolized marriage and unintentionally made it the goal of the Christian life, right? Well, tonight in our study, we're going to see Paul command and encourage believers to wholeheartedly serve the Lord in whatever marital status God has gifted to us. So the goal for this evening is to honor Jesus by taking the truths we learn in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and rightly applying it to our lives. And to help us in this goal of honoring Jesus, of taking these truths and applying it to our lives. We're going to talk about four different things, and we'll read chapter 7, verses 17 to 14, section by section. We'll comment on it, and then at the end, we'll come back with some application and direction for our lives. So the first point here is in verses 17 to 28, and it's, it's the whole idea of serving the Lord as you are called. So in verses 17 to 28, let's read it. Paul's big idea is serving the Lord as you are called. Let's read this here, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting verse 17, all the way to 28. But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord called each one, so let him walk, and so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandment of God is what matters. Verse 20. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price... Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, verse 24, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. So the big idea in this section, in chapter 7, verses 17 to 28, is that you need to walk in your calling. So Paul writes with understanding that God has graciously gifted us with the opportunity of obedience in the state in which we received the Lord. Notice verse 17, as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. So the Lord has distributed to each one, everyone has their calling, everyone has their status, and as you are called, so walk in that calling. This, this word distributed in the Greek actually means to divide and assign responsibility, So God has divided and assigned responsibility. He's distributed this to you, and you need to walk in that. And I really appreciate this definition. I like it because it reminds me that God has given us a specific responsibility to oversee in our unique callings. So wherever you find yourself today, God has given you specific things 
responsibilities to you for you to walk in. So the married person, right, has responsibility. The single person has specific responsibilities. And the bond servants back in the day, they had specific responsibilities. But the only caveat here is, hey, if you're a bond servant, Paul is saying, if you can be free, then be free to better serve the Lord. So Paul had an understanding that you don't need to wait for another season to come along or a change in your marital status in order to walk with him today. Have you ever met that Christian who they're just waiting for that next change in their life to serve the Lord? Oh, I'll serve the Lord when I'm this age. Or I'll serve the Lord after I graduate. Or I'll serve the Lord when I'm engaged or married. What Paul is saying, in the same way you received the Lord, walk in that. Serve the Lord today. You don't have to wait for another season to change or a page to flip or a chapter to change in your life. Serve the Lord today. So what does it mean to walk with God in your calling? What does it mean? What does that mean? That's very Christianese, right? What does it mean to walk with God in your calling? Well, look at verse 19. At the end, he says, keeping the commandments of God is what matters. So keeping the commandments of God is what matters. So this is what it looks like to walk in our calling in the state that God has called us, keeping the commandment of God. And we know this. What is the commandment of God? In Matthew chapter 22, Matthew 22, 36 to 40, Jesus maps out the greatest commandments, right? Matthew twenty-two thirty-six to 40. Jesus says, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So to walk with God in your calling means to love the Lord and to love others in the state in which you find yourself now today. Walking in your calling also implies that you are content in your calling. Right? I'll say that again. Walking in your calling implies that you are also content in your calling. And, 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 and when it comes to singleness and dating and relationships, it's natural for us to want more if God has given that, us that desire, right? But contentment is a learned thing that comes by remembering the Lord's providence and sovereignty over your life. To be content in the calling is to understand that there's nothing by mistake or by accident that the Lord has allowed in your life. To be content in where you're at, to serve the Lord where you're at today, is to say, wow, this is what God is doing in my life. I accept it. Now, Lord, what do you want to do? We learn to be content when we realize and trust that the potter, right, our Heavenly Father, has only the best intentions for us. You know, I, I struggled, man, as a, a single pastor, right? You go to the pastor's conferences and they're all talking about their wives and I'm like, still playing hide-and-go-seek with mine, right? Where's my wife? And I had to learn, okay, that's great for them, but I need to be content with, with where I'm at right now. And, and God's bigger than all of this. If I, if I was supposed to be married, I would be married by now, right? I trust him as the potter. I'm the clay. And so as he goes, I go. So I had to learn contentment. And, and Paul knew this. Because in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, he says something about contentment. It's a learned thing. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, Paul writes this. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. Get that. I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul had the idea that 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 understanding of learned contentment. And that's something that we need to learn as believers if you're wanting that relationship or looking for the next season of your life. If God wants you in that next season, he'll bring you to the next season. But find contentment and serve the Lord where you're at today, right now. The psalmist in Psalm 16, verse 6, he understood this about God's sovereignty and contentment. He says this, Psalm 16, verse 6, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. So he knew, the psalmist knew that God had drawn his boundaries. God had ordained his steps. And he had this, this heart of contentment. Lord, you, you're the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. And notice his perspective. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. He counted his boundaries, his, his status as pleasant. And he says, yes, I have a good inheritance. Now, when I'm talking to my, my friends about being content, and it, it's always a fine line between contentment and complacency. You know what I mean? There's a difference between contentment and complacency. Contentment says, this is where you have me at, Lord. What do you want to do? Where complacency says, well, this is my lot in life. Whatever happens, happens. That's not the, the heart we're supposed to have. Paul is saying, where you find yourself at today, single, married, bond servant, you serve the Lord. You serve the Lord wholeheartedly, Corinthians. You serve the Lord wholeheartedly, Calvary Vista. The big idea is to walk in your calling and serve the Lord today. So if you're married, then serve the Lord as a married person and do it well. If you're a single person, then serve the Lord as a single person and do it well. In whatever social or religious status, you know, he says, if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, whatever status you find yourself in, serve the Lord by being obedient to his commandments today. So Paul is really calling the church out, hey, when it comes to your marital status, it doesn't matter, you serve the Lord. It doesn't matter, you serve the Lord. If you're married, don't seek a divorce, don't seek to be separated. And if you're single, then stay in that, own your singleness and serve the Lord today. Moving on to point number two in verses 29 to 31. Verses 29 to 31. Paul gives us the reason why we should serve the Lord. Why should we serve the Lord? I'll read it here. 1 Corinthians chapter 29 to 31. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. So that from now on, even those who have wives should be, as they, should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of the world is passing away. So why should you serve the Lord in your calling today? Point number two, the time is short. The time is short. Paul is not saying, hey, ignore your marital responsibilities. Ignore your earthly responsibilities. He's not saying that. Rather, he writes, in the, the, he, he, he writes that our mindset in the midst of these responsibilities should be that of eternity is near and that time is running out. So why should you own your calling and not look for the next season of life? Because the time is short. 
and you need to redeem the time. If, Paul will, will unpack this in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verses five to, uh, 15 to 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. He says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So he's saying, hey, walk circumspectly, walk with an understanding of what's going on around you, redeem the time, buy it back, make it work for you for the advancement of God's kingdom. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he would write in James chapter 4 and 13 to 16, he would, he would remind us that our life compared to eternity is, is a vapor, right? It's a passing little vapor. Any Febrezers out here? Yeah, Febreze, just the vapor, right? Our life compared to eternity is just a, a quick scent gone. It appears for a little while, James says, and then it vanishes away. And I I love being reminded of this quote by the preacher, famous preacher, C.T. Studd. He said this about life. You only have one life. It'll soon be past. Only what's done for Christ shall last. And I love that. C.T. Studd had that same heart of Paul, the same heart of Jesus, of, hey, we only have one life, and only what's done for Christ is going to last. So I'm going to use it for him. Paul says, hey, redeem that time. Paul says to the Corinthian church, in your marital status, wherever you find yourself at, serve the Lord. Why? The time is short. Now, it's been, you know, 2,000 years, but we're 2,000 years closer to the return of Christ. And that needs to be our mindset, believers, at Calvary Vista. The time is short. So our mindset, in the midst of our responsibilities, marital responsibilities, single responsibilities, homeowning responsibilities, is that Jesus is coming quickly. Am I buying back the time? I love what Psalm 90, verse 12, the psalmist in Psalm 90, verse 12, it's a prayer. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Oh, I love that. Teach me to number my days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So Paul's big idea, moving on, hey, walk in your calling, serve the Lord today. Number two, why should you serve the Lord? The time is short. In our next section, we're going to camp out here because I think this is where where the Holy Spirit wants to camp out in. Um, In verses 32 to 35, we have the advantages of serving the Lord as a single person. Ooh, the advantages of serving the Lord as a single person. This next passage has something, it, it has been a passage that the Lord has used to minister to me to keep me on track, to keep me focused. Um, and to give me a vision for my life. So he says this in verse 32 to 35. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So Paul's main thought here in this passage In this section of scripture, there's advantages of singleness, and the advantages is this, wholehearted 
and undivided focus in serving the Lord. As a single person, you can have wholehearted and undivided focus in serving the Lord. I love this. Paul's just a realist. You know, we know Paul's testimony. He was part of the Sanhedrin, the 70, which means by law, he had to be married. And so we don't know what happened to his wife. Maybe she left him. Maybe she passed away. But Paul understood what it meant to be married. And now writing this, he's a single guy and he's just real. It's better to serve the Lord as a single person because you can have wholehearted and undivided focus in serving him. So Paul understood that there were God-given responsibilities and cares for those who are married. This word care, it's really interesting. Uh, The definition in the Greek is to be anxious for or to be worried about. It has the idea of having much on your mind. You ever feel like you have 37 tabs open in your mind? Yeah, right? To have a lot of cares, it's to be anxious for, to be worried about the cares. So when you're married... You have more on your plate and and rightly more to worry about and to be anxious for. And that only multiplies when you have kids, right? Now, the blessing of being a single guy is that my brothers all have beautiful children, right? But I have the ability to be like, they stink. Or it's, it's, you know, they need to go and take a nap. You can take them and I can go do what I want to do. Where they would be like, hey, can you babysit so I can do this? I'm like, no, these are your responsibilities. I'm going to go preach the gospel, right? And so there's there's an advantage of singleness, Paul is saying, that you don't have to be worried about the children. You don't have to be worried about your wife. You don't have to be worried about those, you know, what you want to eat. And you don't have to be worried about dancing around her insecurities. And, you know, all the different things that come with the relationships. Paul says, you can just serve the Lord. Just go for it. By way of personal testimony, I I know that I... it would have been way difficult to accomplish the good works that God had laid out for me as a married person. I'm so thankful that the Lord had allowed me to do a lot of things as a single person. You know, in my, in my 13 years of walking with the Lord, and I just want to share the reality of being a single person. In, in my 13 years of walking with the Lord, I've been able to help start a Bible college in New Zealand, host multiple pastors' conferences in the Philippines, preach the gospel in Japan, Australia, Austria, Italy, Mexico, Canada, Spain, Taipei, Korea, and the island of Tonga, and all over the United States. Now, I'm not saying that if I was married, I couldn't have done this. I'm saying it would have been a hundred times more difficult. Paul doesn't hate marriage. Don't get him wrong. Paul, Paul's heart was very close to Jesus. His heart, Jesus loves marriage, right? But he's honest about it. Paul's very honest about marriage. In our church, in the church as a whole, I know that there is a weird thing if you're, you know, single. But can we, be, can we reverse culture and understand that singleness is not to be condemned but celebrated? You know, I've been deeply wounded <laughs> by well-intended believers in trying to hook me up or, you know, fix me up a date. I feel less than, right? And it's just like, no, like, don't condemn me for being single. Celebrate with me that I'm a single man. Paul doesn't hate marriage. He's honest about it. Singleness is not to be condemned, but celebrated. You know, Rob noted two weeks ago that single people can be way more effective than married couples. Just they have more time on their hands, the ability just to freely move about. You know, Paul, uh, sorry, Rob also mentioned two weeks ago that those who are single have less distractions. 
They have more opportunity to serve the Lord just to get up, to go buy a plane ticket and go wherever the Lord calls them to do, to go. And, and, and Paul chose a life of celibacy uh, for the sake of the gospel. And Paul saw his ability of singleness as a gift from the Lord. And it stemmed from his mindset of, hey, my body belongs to the Lord. My whole life belongs to the Lord. You know, part of this gift of, of his celibacy um, was learning, right, to keep his sexual tensions under control. And he also writes earlier in the chapter, hey, if your sexual drive is going to be a cons- uh, constant distraction to you from serving the Lord, then, then just get married. By all means, get married. He, he, he would write, singleness is better, but if your sexual desire is a distraction, by all means, go for it. Get married. And he also writes, if, if you're married, your focus, your cares, they're, they're multiplied. You're divided in your mind. And Paul would, would close out here in verse 35. And this I say to your own prophets, speaking to the single people and the people in the church, right? Not that I may put a leash on you, but what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without destruction. That's Paul's heart right there. Hey, the time is short. We just talked about that. So serve the Lord without distraction. He, he's calling really the, the single people. He's, this passage has been used to call me out of not trying to put myself out there or manipulate situations and, and so that I meet a person. It's just seek the Lord, serve the Lord, and the Lord will take care of it. And, and here's a word to those who have desired to get married. That celibacy is not your gifting in the long run. Maybe it's just a gift for this specific season. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If the Lord has put that desire in your heart to get married, you don't have to manipulate the situation in order to meet somebody. God's bigger than that, right? The Lord knows the desires of your heart. Speaking to my single friends in here, you know, God is really good at bringing two people together. He, he, he is. He's really good at bringing two people together. If the Lord has promised you something, then wait. In my journals, when I was helping to start the Bible college in New Zealand, when I was 19 years old, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Aaron, I'm, I'm preparing you to be a pastor and a husband and a father. That was when I was 19, so that was a decade ago. Still no ring, right? Now, praise the Lord, I'm in a relationship right now. Her name is Ellen. She's the best. Pray for us. Actually, two days ago, we just celebrated nine months of dating, which is huge, right? But it, a decade of waiting and serving the Lord. To my single friends out here, as the Lord has given you this gift of singleness, pursue sexual integrity and purity. Don't obsess and idolize marriage or the idea of marriage. In the time that you have as a single person, lean into the Lord and cultivate healthy spiritual disciplines. Learn to hear his voice. As a single person, understand your calling, your vision that God has for you. And then deploy your giftings. Single people in our church, lead us. Lead our church. You guys are untethered by many of the distractions that, unmarried, that married people have. So get vision from the Lord and let's go for it. Man, if we can utilize the singles in our church for the advancements of the kingdom, like we're going to explode. We're going to explode. You know, Joseph, while he was in prison as a single man, received vision for his life, right? Jesus, he was single, right? Changed the world for all of eternity, single man. Paul, he wrote almost half the New Testament. Awesome man of the Lord, single guy. Redeem the singleness. 
Use it for God's glory. Single people in here, be about it. I, I love this, this, um, this psalm in Psalm 86, verse 11. It's been something that the Lord has used in my life to kind of hold me back down to this calling of redeeming singleness. The psalmist in Psalm 86, verse 11 says, Hey, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Man, as a single man, I know what it is to see your friend get married and then another friend get married. And then I've, I've been in 37 weddings, <laughs> either as a best man, a groomsman, or a singer, or the MC. I've been in 37 weddings, okay? Like 27 dresses has nothing on me, right? I've been in 37 weddings. And I know what it is. So they get married, they get married, they get married. And then, you know, little brothers get married. I'm just like, what? I've learned to pray, Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. All the tabs in my mind of what if I just ask that girl out? What if I just look different? What if I just, you know, all the tabs just Xing out, closing one by one. Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. If you go back to the original first marriage of Scripture, right, Adam and Eve? Adam wasn't on the dating apps. I'm not saying dating apps are bad, right? But he wasn't searching. He wasn't occupied with trying to look good. He wasn't occupied with building his own kingdom. He was being faithful with what God had called him to do. Hey, Adam, name all the animals. And after he had named all the animals, what did God do? Hey, go to sleep, right? So Adam's asleep. And then from his rib, right, he forms woman. And Adam wakes up, and that's the first marriage right there. And that should be an example of what Christian men should be doing. It's not seeking out a wife or a spouse. It's serving the Lord. It's seeking the Lord. Paul told us right here, don't seek a wife. Well, Pastor Anna says, if you, if you find a wife, you obtain favor from the Lord. Yeah, I get that. But also Jesus would say, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The implication is that as you're seeking the Lord, he's going to add all those different things, all the desires in your heart that he's given you, he's going to give it to you. I met my girlfriend about a year ago at, um, at summer camp. She came as a counselor at, with Reliance Church in Temecula. And I was just serving the Lord, you know, just serving God and leading a team. We had actually over 400 students join us for our summer camp. And this girl caught my eye, right? But I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm here at camp and here's supposed to be, you know. But it's cool how I saw a little bit of the Genesis story of Adam and Eve where I was just kind of serving the Lord and then the Lord literally brought Ellen. And I asked her, I asked her like, what made you say yes on our first date? She goes, well, when you had orientation at camp, like I was immediately attracted to you. I'm like, are you serious? Like, I was in like, like full camp mode, right? Whistle, lanyard, like short shorts, like, t- you know, I was like, I, I looked the worst, right? And she goes like, my heart... I actually, she's like, I actually had to text my sister that you wouldn't be a distraction as I was serving and discipling other girls. I'm like, oh, dang, I got it, right? I still got it. <laughs> Woo! But it, it was just crazy how the Lord worked it out all together. And I, I, I'm just, I was just serving the Lord, and I love that he just put the pieces together. The Lord's really good at that. And so single people, by way of my testimony, seek the Lord, man. And don't seek him just because you want a wife, right? <laughs> Seek him because he's a lover of your soul and he died for you on the cross. And with that motive, with that heart, with that intent, the Lord is so good at blessing his people.
Now there's, you know, we, we still have a long way to go. I'm, I'm not engaged, Lord willing, you know. She's probably going to watch this. So Lord willing soon, I don't know, you know. Um, the Lord knows. I'm just seeking the Lord, right? Um, but it's cool just to, to be faithful with where you're at. The Lord really does honor those who honor him. And so in the singleness, in the waiting, redeem that time and pray, Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. And can I give an exhortation to the body of Christ out over here um, as the married people? You know, we're your family too. You know, there's advantages of serving the Lord as a single person. There's also disadvantages. We feel lonely. I've experienced low lows. You know, as my brothers are getting married, as they're having their third and fourth kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, Right. We experience those low lows, but if, I, I've been so comforted by um, the, the families in the church to invite me over for dinner and to get, you know, to, to hang out with me and, and to meet with me. That's been so cool. So if, you, if you're a married couple, like, don't forget us, right? Maybe, maybe we can celebrate singleness together with, hey, after you're done serving this, come and have dinner at my house. And, and we get a picture of what a family should look like, a godly family should look like. I, I would love that for our, our church, not to separate the singles and the marrieds, you know, but if we're the body of Christ together, that includes us too. And so single people redeem it by seeking the Lord and married people pray for us. Man, it, it, the disadvantage of not having somebody is that it's so easy to drift off in our minds and, and, and waste time thinking about what the next season is. But if you can encourage us and be like, keep on seeking the Lord, keep on serving the Lord, man, that'll, that'll help us in our relationship with the Lord. The last section here, you know, Paul is still talking uh, to the church in Corinth. And uh, he, he has a final word, verses 36 to 40, a final word to the fathers, the daughters, and the widows, quickly. Uh, he says this, But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his uh, virgin daughter, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. If he does not sin, let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then, he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. A wife is bound by the law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But if she is happier... But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And I think I also have the Spirit of God. So in closing in chapter 7 here, Paul has final thoughts on fathers, daughters, and widows. And remember the context, right? Arranged marriages were very, was the common practice. It was customary for fathers to give their daughters away. So Paul is saying that fathers, you're allowed to give your daughter away in marriage. And daughters, you're free to marry, then he shifts a little bit of focus to the widows. And hey, hey, widows, you're able to remarry, but also know, understand that you also have the ability to be happier to remain single and serve the Lord. So Paul is addressing the church, and I can almost imagine them like, oh, finally, we get instruction from, what, from the Lord of what's going on. And, and they can sit in their calling, and they can do um, what the Lord is calling them to do. But for us tonight, today, Let's talk about the application for our lives. Now, I know in our church, there's a lot of married people. There's a lot of single people. So what does this passage do for us in our lives? Well, in the first section, we saw that we need to serve the Lord as we're called. 
today reflect, are you serving the Lord in the state that you're in? You know, are you serving the Lord in the state that you're in? Think this, today, are you learning contentment in the state that you're in, or are you always hoping for the grass is greener on the other side? My encouragement for you in in putting this to practice is, hey, bring every thought captive and put it under the obedience of Christ. Learn contentment by remembering that the potter, our Heavenly Father, only has the best intentions for us, and He doesn't withhold good from those who seek Him. So if you don't have it yet, it's not good. We looked at in verse 29 to 31, you know, why should you serve the Lord as you're called? He he points out, Paul points out, the time is short. So ask yourself today, Father, Lord, how can I better redeem the time? Are, Are there distractions that the Lord is calling you to cast off in order to be better focused? Paul says the time is short, and there is a world outside these walls that desperately needs the gospel. They desperately need Jesus. Can you be a part of putting away your distractions, redeeming the time because the days are short to go and be used by the Lord? We looked at the advantages of serving the Lord as a single person. Today, single people, you can serve the Lord without added distractions. So own your singleness and use it well. Own your singleness and use it well. If the Lord has promised you a marriage in the future, then understand that your singleness has a a, a season's end. So use it while you have it. If the Lord has not called you into a marriage, praise God. Use that. Use that time. Use your resources to expand the kingdom of God. Single people, you can serve the Lord without distractions, but in the waiting, trust in God's timing. That's a big one. Trust in God's timing and in his way. The world will say, manipulate situations, put yourself out there, do all the different, you know, pizzazz yourself up. But Jesus would say, hey, seek me first and and my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And again, the message to the married people, hey, celebrate and value the singles in our church. You know, pray for us to serve the Lord, to receive vision for our lives and to be without distraction. And in the last section, a word to the fathers, daughters, and widows. You know, the fathers in the room, as the Lord leads you, give your daughters away to godly men. Help disciple and prepare them to be effective women for the kingdom of God. Daughters, ask your father for godly counsel and give your heavenly father uh, the, the space and the time to guide your own steps. And the widows in here, Paul would say, hey, serve the Lord well. And also in the heartbreak, in the healing, serve him well. The time is still so short. And I love that we can read this passage and we can understand a little bit about God's heart. He doesn't want us to try to figure out by himself. He, he wants to give us instruction. He wants to be the shepherd. He wants our lives to be according to his will. He's so specific in what he wants us to do. The time is short, Calvary Vista. Let's be about his business. Amen? Amen. As we close out in a song of worship, some response, we do have some people up in the front to pray. And maybe the Lord has put something on your heart to, to, to get prayer for. Maybe it's that battle of contentment, or maybe it's just you need prayer to not be distracted or to serve the Lord well or to learn to better hear God's voice. And whatever the thing is that you would like prayer for, we have a team up in the front that would love to pray for you. So I'll pray, and we'll close out in worship. And um, yeah.
We'll continue to fellowship. Lord, we thank you for uh, this passage. Um, Lord, thank you that you've used it in my life, and I know that you will use it to encourage the body here. We trust that you'll take us and, and you'll mold us and shape us. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would give us such a passion and a heart to serve you and to serve you well. Lord, the time is short. We see everything happening. And we know that it's just, it's just the signs, the, the birth pangs. So Lord, help us to be ready I pray that you'd baptize us with your Holy Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may serve you well, but as a single person, as a married person, in whatever status we are at, but help us to serve you well. We need your Holy Spirit in that, Lord, and so empower us to serve you well. Lord, we acknowledge you've prepared good works before the foundations of the earth for us to walk in. Help us to hear what those good works are and, and give us the boldness to be obedient to those things. Lord, and as our church is filled with married and, and, and single, and Lord, I pray that you give us a unified vision to see you glorified, just simply Jesus glorified. So help us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray and say, amen.